This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 98, Finding God in a Crazy World, with David Butler. Hey, everybody. Really happy to tell you that Becky and I are in the same room at this moment. Guys, it's pretty much the best stinking day ever. It's a miracle. We're reunited. <laughs> we are reunited. It's true. And Beck, I do want you to like recap where you've been. You've been on a road trip. Okay. I have been on an epic 17-day road trip with my four children and Bless my you. lovely husband. Mm-hmm. And it was a decision we did not make lightly due to COVID, but this was a trip that was centered around <clears throat> outdoor activities and national parks. So cool. And so we decided there was minimal risk involved and we decided to move forward, and it was completely wonderful and amazing. Completely like 95%. No, yeah, I was going to say completely Come wonderful on. and amazing. And also, <laughs> it's really hard taking your kids on yeah. a road trip. It's hard getting them to hike. It's hard uh, doing all these things. And so people see like the pretty pictures on Instagram, and I try to be very honest about like those were some great moments. And also, by the way, like a lot of my kids don't want to hike and we make them do it anyways. And there's mm-hmm. complaining and there was fighting and there was all the things you'd expect when six people are in a car for that long together. But honestly, the thing I keep going back to is you have to get through those moments of like imperfection. Like those are just part of the package. Um, getting through those moments of imperfection um, to get to the moments of magic. And we had plenty of moments of imperfection and lots of moments of magic. <laughs> Best of both worlds. At the end of the day, though, uh, I would 100% do it again. Yeah, I'm happy for you. It was I'm fun. I'm so happy that you guys executed a plan mm-hmm. that you felt so good about making. Yeah, it yeah. was fun. It was and really speaking cool. of plans, we just executed a plan of having David Butler on the podcast. Which is pretty much Becky's <sighs> like... It was a bucket list Yes, for it me. was a bucket list guest for Beck. It really, really was. And I have loved every single guest that we've had on the show. No question. Like, there's a reason mm-hmm. why you and I have been very intentional about who we choose. But let me just relate it this way, okay? And this is where it ties into how I feel about David Butler and also Emily Bell Freeman, who the two of them do work together that's touched me very, very deeply. And here's kind of what I've experienced is in my career – over the years, when I have done public things, in-person classes, events, things like that, speaking, and I have people who, when they meet me, feel emotional, and it surprises them, and they're like, whoa, this is so weird. I'm so sorry, and they get apologetic. I'm like, no, no. The reason you're feeling what you're feeling has nothing to do with me. Hmm. I am literally just the person that's attached to the thing that means so much to you. Right, Documenting message, yeah. means so much to you, and I just happen to be somebody that you know is sharing examples or is a brand that you buy product from or whatever Mm -hmm. the app whatever and so that is David Butler to me um, and Emily Bell Freeman who will be in a couple episodes but what I mean by that is my personal um, scripture study this year I have always loved the scriptures but I have read them differently every time every time I start again and I love starting again I do it differently and this time I decided to make sure that every week I was adding a resource, um, which is a YouTube channel that David and Emily created together called Don't Miss This, to my study. And it has made my personal scripture study so meaningful. Right. They have brought incredible insights to my 
personal um, look at the scriptures and the people in the scriptures and ultimately God. And so when when I watch them week after week and I feel connected to the, what, the messages that they're sharing and I feel more connected to God through their voice, I, I think that that's for me why they are so meaningful to me because they have a gift of using their voice to articulate and say things that that's not the way that it was worded in my head. And yet that makes so much more sense. Or I love the way they put that. That helps me think differently. So yeah, I kind of a little bit fangirl over David yes. Butler. He, their work I'm just going to say it. <laughs> their work is so profound. And I think it they really just, is. like you were saying, they have a gift of like, it's called Don't Miss This because they want you to find those little hidden gems in the scriptures that maybe you've read a hundred times and mm-hmm. have missed some like really plain and precious truths. And for me, the, the difference, cause like Becky, I, I use don't miss this, um, as a scripture study kind of addition, mm-hmm. a great is resource. they have, they have a way of breaking down things that I tend to overcomplicate in myself or like t- I take an intellectual approach sometimes mm-hmm. and they have a very beautiful way of breaking it down into really simplistic and beautiful truth. And for me, that helps me as I'm looking to um, gain insight from the scriptures, not from an intellectual place, but from like a heart place of of what to do next with the knowledge. A heart place is such a good way to put it. I just, we could not love them more. Yes, we really do. And we cannot wait to share this conversation with you as we dive into everything that is God and love. It is just such an exciting um, conversation, such a powerful and uplifting conversation. And just, you know, we'll say this again and again, you will get out of this, what you put into it. So if you put your heart into it and really want to feel something in this conversation, you absolutely will. And we're excited to share it with you, but first let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. You guys, we have a pretty fun announcement. We've been talking about shine cosmetics for a while now and for all the right reasons. You likely know how much we have loved connecting with this brand that believes in empowering and uplifting women and how it totally shows even in the detail of how they name their products. It only makes sense that we go to the next level in our collaboration with them. We are so thrilled to announce that we worked with Shine to create our very own custom lip gloss colors. And why wouldn't we when their lip gloss is buttery soft and gorgeous and absolutely the best gloss we have ever used. The colors of these two glosses cultivate and good life I mean of course we had to use those names right yes keep in mind that one of the reasons we love shine cosmetics is the fact that we can trust their ingredients shine products are gluten-free cruelty-free hypoallergenic and paraben free coming from a girl who used to have a terrible allergic reaction to makeup you guys this is a big deal When you visit shinecosmetics.com to pick up our two gorgeous gloss colors, Cultivate and Good Life, be sure to check out a few other products that we highly recommend, including the Fiber Brow, BB Cream, Concealer, and Makeup Remover. Join with us in supporting a brand that is helping women to shine. And as always, save 10% by using code BECKY at checkout. 
Welcome to the show, David Butler. We're so happy that you're with us. Thank you. I feel honored. <laughs> We're already laughing. I don't know what's what's going to happen. We don't know with him. I actually. don't really know, but I know it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Um, why don't you give us a little introduction on yourself so that anyone who doesn't know of you already is going to feel like your best friend immediately. Which is 95% of you, no doubt. Uh, so like, I like how you said that, like I was Tom Cruise or something. I mean, because to like, us, Tosh, you I are. Like, we really enjoy hearing you speak and find a lot of value in your work, hence we want you on the podcast. Oh, yeah. so, you're here. We're so excited for everyone else to discover the magic yes. of it. So I yes. am your Tom Cruise. Listen, right. I almost, no one knows this because this is audio, but I have a big old black eye. It's awesome, and I was going to wear these sunglasses that I bought at the dollar store because I lose <laughs> sunglasses professionally. And oh. Jenny was, I was like, I'll just wear these. How about I wear these to the podcast? And she oh was gosh. like, uh, they're a little Top Gun. And I was like, and please explain why that's a problem. Why like, that, what am yeah. I wearing them inside? So who are you? What do you do? Tell us all the things. Don't forget anything. Like, tell us the no books, things. the projects, okay. like what your work scope is and also who you are as a person uh, just a normal that is all i am it's just a normal um i most of my time is spent i i'm married to jenny six kids um jenny oh are you really i just i was gonna say this about jenny and i just remembered again her like spiritual gifting is steadiness she's mm-hmm. just steady mm-hmm. and like calm and like unwavered by like anything things like she's just like fine you know all the time that's a huge thing right now when there's so much that's not steady about this existence right right? so much and she's just got this like oh we are and i'm the exact opposite like yesterday somebody said compare me to a leaf and they're like wherever the wind blows that's where you'll find david like you are Hmm. erratic emotional like i'm the Hmm. fighter i'm the you know um, I always try to pick fights with Jenny, and she never wants to. Like, she'll never engage. Do you pick you know? fights because it's like fun? fun? Yeah, I'm totally the same. Yeah, way. just for fun. I no, was it's just like, like don't you it's think... like a fun little banter. Like right. it's just like yeah, this feels yeah, it feels engaging. Right. I I relate to that. My husband is also the steady of our relationship. I think you need both. Without him, we would all blow away. Is yeah. It really <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, truly, there's got to be that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the way you think of steadiness, and I. Um, I love the thought behind what you're saying about her steadiness, but there's also a different type of steadiness and consistency with how people are about certain things. So you are yourself actually very steady in your faith, for your example, value, yeah. and your values. Yeah. So well, there's different ways you. to think about yeah, steadiness. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. Good thought. But you're more all over the place is what you're I saying. Everywhere else. Yeah. I think yeah. there's different expressions of steadiness. Like, like you were saying, um, you know, faith is a really good example because it is kind of the rock that grounds you. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain steadiness some people have like beyond that with with things or emotion or the changing tide. You know, you look at what's going on in the world right now. I go on, you know, we're both on social media. You go on social media and I, like, I'm so happy and then I want to cry and then I'm angry with myself and then I'm ashamed and then I'm proud of myself. Like, all these different things go through my mind and I have to, like, almost make a conscious effort to channel through the emotions of, like, what I'm reading and how it relates to me as where some people really don't have to do that like they can they're unaffected by like all the input mm. that comes in there's a lot of input gift. yeah okay. yeah input is the nice way to say <laughs> what is happening you know yeah, yeah because it's just like oh wow because you do kind of want to run away sometimes from what is happening but it's like wait what good is that if you run away from it yeah. you know 
but you're tempted to because it's like, whoa, there's like a lot that's like, but honestly, uh, this is like, this is true about me. I figured it out a couple of years ago that, um, like I, I was in, um, a leadership position in my own, you know, church congregation, yeah, congregation yeah. for a while. And, um, someone was like, was that so hard? You know, do people come to you with all sorts of like, you know, problems and you're, and you're meant to like pastor these people and try and like help, you know, help them through, they come to you for spiritual advice, you know? And like, was that hard? Was that overwhelming? Was that, and I was like, do you know what? I was gifted early on in my life, just this belief that, um, God is bigger than all these things, you know? And, and not to say that I will like, like step away emotionally or anything, because I think people need you to emote with them. And I think that there needs to be empathy and there needs to be all of those things. So not in a sense of like, Oh, don't worry, you know, because like people will hurt and they will struggle and they will like drown and they like all these things will happen. But I honestly like have this deep bedded, like deep seated belief that like, oh, God's bigger than this. And even if it is tragic, he'll find a way to turn it for good mm-hmm. somehow. Always. Right. Somehow, even if we can't some see way, it right then. Yeah. like I just like live with that um, hope, I mm-hmm. guess. Hope's kind of a, one of my favorite words mm-hmm. because it's just, it says to me like, um, things don't look okay right now, but like I'm settled in the core. Right. You know, I completely like peripherally. I'm like, ah, right. But like when I like sit and think for a second, I'm like, oh, I actually feel like settled, mm-hmm. like deep inside. I That's love that you brought way up to describe that. the, the bigness, the, the, um, the Im- immense nature of, of God's love and in that kind of bigger, broader perspective, because I think that equal parts makes you feel um, so much hope and that hope fills you. And also in the very best way, it breaks it down to like you were, you were referencing, you were in a leadership position in church, but um, that really each of us individually as children of God, like our role and our, our, our place in that grand perspective of like parent child, a father in heaven and, and a child on, on the earth. I think that perspective for me has been um, humbling, but also it breaks it down because it takes away all that extra stuff and structure and it takes it down to like, wait a minute, this is a very simple story about love, about grace, about mercy, and it helps me to kind of frame um, all those things that are going on in the world. Well, that perfectly kind of leads into... Um, what maybe would be a good place to go. I think that that goes into what you were saying with right now, how with everything that is going on, you actually can feel and do feel, and we feel the same way. There is that security and that steadiness and that calm and that peace and that hope that you actually can feel in a Mm -hmm. world full of all sorts of awry things. Mm -hmm. I, I there's not an appropriate word for what's going on in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do you think, David, is a good way for someone who feels totally disoriented in a messed up place to um, find a little more hope? It doesn't happen in a big way overnight. We, we all know right. that. But how can someone reach for a little more hope and have a little bit more peace of mind? Well, I like recently I've been thinking about um, that phrase that Paul uses in the New Testament where he just says, um, hope, and particularly he's talking about a hope in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, not just as like a, a hope it doesn't rain tomorrow type of hope, 
but like a uh, like a biblical definition of hope is different than just like a yeah like a wish you know, or a whim or like oh wouldn't that be nice type of thing but like a secure kind of belief in in who he is and and maybe let's just say this right here which is um Paul does a good job of this of pointing us to the cross where he just says if you ever wonder if God is an abandoning type of God or one who's forgotten about you fix your eyes on the cross that is an image and a picture of a God who will not let you go and mm-hmm. and at any cost he is for you like you can be sure of it so whatever life looks like right now if you can fix your mind and heart on that image of what his character is like that is what kind of can secure you and he calls it a, an anchor to the soul you know the hope is an anchor to the soul um Sandra Bullock wants hope to float you know she did that movie and every time I see that title I'm like yep. that's that's not true right. hope does not float um hope is an anchor like it can it, it can secure you and it's not just it really isn't wishful thinking because like you were saying the the um that there is something about understanding that relationship that is that helps you feel secure you know like it's an actual security it's an actual like like i it doesn't mean you won't feel pain it doesn't mean you won't feel worry it doesn't mean you won't feel confusion um actually all three of those are necessary i think in a relationship with god because they point you to him like if you didn't feel any of those things why would you be looking for an anchor you know so they actually are they're not negative parts of you know life they're actually like wait i could never have trust i could never reach for hope unless there was a reason you unless know you i needed to right yeah or, and so i i i really really honestly believe that i think um there are a lot of great solutions that are out there and we should keep reaching for them and looking for them and everything but at the heart and soul uh, I mean, it's just at the at the base level, I really believe that everyone on earth is part of a human family. Um, and and we have God the Father and, and there's, you know, they are over this, you know. And so if that's true, if we really are from God, then that means that our security will be found in God and our greatest satisfaction will be found in Him. Like mm-hmm. if that's really true, that we are you know, children of the divine, then that means that that's what we actually need. It's what our souls actually are hungering and yearning for. So let's say I'm a person of faith, and and I am, but let's just say that there's someone listening who's a person of faith. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They know that the world is upside down right now. They do want to look to the cross, as you say. They want to feel that faith and that hope but they're feeling that angst. It's like overruling. What are some baby steps that you would recommend? Some small things that this person could do to just get them a little closer to understanding how to better take advantage of that relationship with the Savior. Oh, I, I actually think it's um, super simple. Like, I don't think that there's much. That, and, and for every person, it'll be a little bit different. For me, I connect so well, like with God through music. And so if somebody says to me, like, what you need is time in your Bible, you know, I would say like, okay, that might be really awesome for you. Mm-hmm. But like the thing that connects me the most is to, is to find like, it just creates like a, 
a connection in a really unique way. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say to somebody, what, what, how do you look to him? How do you bring his influence and his spirit into your heart and into your home? Like, and we're all like just sewn together differently. And so we'll like try a bunch of things out. You might like, you might really connect with meditation. You might really connect with prayer. You might really connect with, but I, I think the word I keep saying that I'm just realizing is connection. Right. So how do you connect with, with him? And if someone doesn't know what they, what that looks like for them to connect, I think what you're saying, and we would agree, is that if you tap into your own memory of experiences that you've had yourself already with feeling that connection, the key word is remember. Mm. Go back to remembering that time when you felt a profound connection with God, for example. What was that? Was it in scripture? Was it in prayer? Was it through music? Was it through a friend? Was it through just a personal, you know, just a feeling while you were driving? And I think that sometimes remembering how we have had those profound experiences is what causes us to go, oh, that's actually how I feel stronger mm, in my a, connection with him. Yeah. And then you just said something that I think I think I, I want to just elevate. And that is where you said through a friend, like we are relational beings. Mm-hmm. It's what we are. And I actually, I've been thinking about this all week, actually, that um, I think the best way we experience God is in loving other people. And if someone's just like, it's just not, it's, I, I just don't like, my first suggestion actually might be like reach out and show love and compassion, mm. empathy to another person. And I, I honestly think I was like, oh, that's where, that's where, it's that's where you f- experience God most deeply is in loving other people. I mm. I think that is true. I think what's interesting about that is, and I love that you said that because I totally believe exactly what you're saying. If you're really, really super lost, there's there's no way to not feel true love um, in a grander sense than when you're serving someone because in essence, you're, you're doing God's work, right? I want to break this down a little further though because we're talking about connection. But um, I remember early in my kind of spiritual journey, discovering who I was, discovering who God was, what our relationship to each other was. I had a lot of um, I had a lot of fear. Now that I think about it, looking back, I was so afraid to connect with God for fear that I was going to offend Him, hmm. for fear that I wasn't good enough, for fear that He was this omnipotent like ruler that really had very little interest in my like day-to-day stupidity, I Mm. guess, for lack of a better term. And what really changed me was really understanding the relationship of who God is and what his relationship is to me. And that I am, I mean, I don't like the word entitled, but it totally is appropriate here that I am entitled, like you were saying, we're divine children of God. Um, I am entitled to that connection. Like just me and my father in heaven, that connection is extremely real, separate from whatever religion you choose to express your faith, or if you have no religion that you're expressing your faith, that relationship of heavenly parent to child exists, whether or not you acknowledge it exists, whether or not you think you're worthy of it. And, um, something that really helped me was I stopped I stopped having fear that that God wasn't real. I realized my whole life I was like acting 
Like, well, what if it isn't real? What if there isn't a God who loves me? And I was acting from that place of fear. And when instead I looked to everything good in my life, like Becky was saying, looking back at all those pure moments of goodness in my life, and instead looking for evidence that Heavenly Father did exist, it changed everything. And then I was able to really progress in my journey. But what I came to realize is, you know, of course, we want to love and respect and fear of God, I know, is a phrase that people use all the time. But at the end of the day, he's my dad. Like, he's my dad, and he wants me to talk to him and tell him all the things. And he wants to bestow wisdom on me like my own father would. And, and it's this relationship that we make, I think, really overcomplicated, and it's actually very simple, right? Like, we have a perfect love that we can tap into, and when we tap into that perfect love, all of the fear, all of the self-doubt, all of the blocks that we put in place for ourselves that keep us from really being connected to God start to fall away because we're not acting from a place of like, we don't have to earn our place in heaven, right? Like right. the love already exists for us regardless. Right. right. And when we kind of sit in that place, it becomes so much easier for me to, to have that communication because I'm the one who blocks myself with self-doubt and fear and all of these things yes you know yeah oh i was i just was thinking like um just this last christmas you know i was looking around and just like all of my kids are little right now well some are getting a little older um i'm becoming a real life adult (laughs) congratulations thank you thank you welcome um but i just was noticing that like on christmas morning there were all these gifts that we were giving you know all the kids and they were just accepting them you know, mm-hmm. and then I was like, what happens to adults mm. when all of a sudden when someone wants to gift them love, wisdom, whatever Even it is, a compliment, a compliment right. they're just like, they don't feel like yeah. worthy of it. They're just like, oh, no, 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 no. That's too much. And I was like, kids never do that. They right. never like get gifted something and think, oh, no, no, no. They just love the giver. Mm. Right. Right. They're just like, this isn't about them. When, so, when, when God wants to love us, it's not about us. It's about like, oh, he, it's about him, right. right? He is just love the giver. Like yeah. it's more about him than it is about us. And it's just. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I'm so trying to figure that out. Thought? Like, because I wonder if it comes from a place of like, I think we over, well, I think we overemphasize humility in a very distorted way sometimes um, where we think that if we accept that, then it, it's saying that we think we're worthy of it. And when we think we're worthy of things, then it, it becomes pridefulness and unrighteousness. And I think that's one of the biggest spiritual myths out there is that of exactly what humility is and exactly what pride is. Recognizing and accepting love from God or a compliment or a gift is exactly what Heavenly Father wants you to do. Um, I always take it back to this analogy of, you know, I pick my kids up from school and they get in the car and I say, how was your day? How was your day? I'm so excited to hear from you. And they're like, it was good. Because they know that's what I want to hear. Or they say, it was great. I did my homework. I did all these things. And I understand it's not, it's not a genuine conversation we're having. And, or, or they don't answer, right? And I think how Heavenly Father must feel in that same token when we go to pray and we just say the things that we think he wants to hear. Or we just say the things, or we don't, we, we don't say anything for fear we're going to say something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. When really, what do I want from my kids? I want them to spill their guts. I want the good, the bad, the ugly, the insecurities, because I want to be able to love their brains out. And when I do love their brains out, do I want to hear them say, like, 
I, I'm not really awesome. Like, I'm not, mom, it's fine. Like, it's all, I hate when that happens. It's so frustrating to me because I'm like, how do I take this love in my heart and get it into your heart so that it's useful <laughs> instead of, like, blockading it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think Heavenly Father must feel when we do that, when we will not accept that love. But sometimes we wear that mask of, like, I'm humble. So I don't, I don't want to accept it because I'm not worthy of it. And because I'm not worthy of it, that makes me then connected to God. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I think that's a big what? myth that we run circles yeah, around. And, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's an interesting type of pride, actually, because it's so focused on yourself right. instead mm-hmm. of on him. And I think if we would get just the focus off of ourselves and onto him, yeah. that might be the key. Because right. like when somebody doesn't, if somebody's saying like, oh, I'm undeserving of this. It's mm-hmm. just like, you're so focused on you. Why are you focused on your undeservedness and not on how gracious he is? Mm-hmm. Like take it off of your lack and move your focus onto his abundance. And mm-hmm. and I feel like it could be that. It really is so simple. And I, I I should say I am I'm one of the lucky ones that I grew up with parents who um were in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Like they loved the way he does. And so it made it really easy for me to like relate to like a parental God in heaven. And I know a lot of people don't have that. And they they have a hard time like believing in a father God because of their experiences. You know, Mm -hmm. I had an abusive father. I had a neglectful mother or something like that. And it's like really tough for them to do that. And to those people, I would say, oh, you have to look to someone else who kind of filled that, you know, that, that role for you so that you could do that. But I was lucky. So it made it. Um, pretty easy but being a parent like not uh, aware a parent a dad becoming a dad has honestly taught me more about the character of God I think than anything else because I I just like I remember this one time um, that I came into my room and there was this note on my bed and it was these little torn out pieces of um, from a little notebook you know, from a Hello Kitty notebook, Aww. actually. <laughs> no less. Yeah. Um, and, and stapled or taped together yeah. on the side, like a little booklet. Mm-hmm. And on the front, Dear Dad, in this green marker mm. with a backwards mm-hmm. letter, you know, in there, backwards E. And I opened it up and it said this. What happened was this. This is what he wrote. What happened was this. I took your laser pointer um, out of your drawer. For the record, I didn't even know I had a laser pointer. Like, I was like, oh. I was like, well, I've been missing that. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know I owned one of those. Um, I took your laser pointer from your drawer and took it to school and lost it. I think what happened is when I pulled out my lunchbox, it must have fallen out. He said, I went up and down every hallway looking for it and never found it. Tomorrow, I will go to the office and I will ask all the mm. teachers. And if they don't have it, I will do extra jobs to buy you a new one. And then it said, um, love Jack. And then at the bottom it said, P.S. Can you ever forgive me? Oh, my goodness. And I read that note and I just melted. And I just cried and cried. And Jenny came and she was like, what is wrong? And I said, read this. Because for the first time in my life, I've realized why God forgives so easily. It's like because he's not a judge and he's not mm-hmm. a boss. He is a dad. And I saw my relationship with God in with new eyes and a new heart. And I, I ran into Jack's room and I woke him up. He was sleeping. 
And I just squeezed him. <laughs> I was like, what? And I thought to myself, what a silly question for you to ask. Yeah. What a silly question for you to think like, that's not even yeah. on the table of will I. Yeah. You know? And it just, anyways, those experiences really have just taught me. I was like, this is what, and it's interesting, right? So we were saying earlier, this is kind of coming circle a little bit that, you know, our relationships with other people really help us experience God, in those sweet moments, they really give like picture to what, you know, that relationship with him can be like. Well, that's so much more profound than reading about it in a book. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to understand more of the nature of God. So I will read about someone's perspective on that. Great. Like you said, reach out to those resources, tools, there's information like we should definitely be, Mm -hmm. you know, you are that resource for me in my scripture study. You and Emily Bell Freeman, like that is a resource for me. But that is nothing compared to my own personal experiences within right. my relationships, like you said. And yeah. I think seeking after those opportunities to understand and feel those types of experiences for what they are, instead of saying, oh, that's a cute note from your son, you actually took it and applied it deeply in in relationship to who God is and who he is to you. Yeah, and, and it happened just um, accidentally. You know, like I wasn't that day looking for like mm-hmm. some sort of like new right. understanding or new experience. Like I just, you know, it just happened. And I think um, patience might be a great, you know, attribute for people right now to just like, oh, just just wait. Like those experiences, they come. They're, they're, Jesus compares the, the, the spirit uh, like to the wind. You know, he's like, you don't know where it comes from Mm -hmm. and you don't know where it goes after. And you don't get to dictate when it shows up. And it just, if you just will like, you know how that though, how you can like on a non windy day, still kind of sense the wind. Mm -hmm. If you were to go outside and just really focus and just stop, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like you would be able to. And so really that's what, that's the advice to people is just like, oh, just Feel the wind, you know, mm-hmm. like just go and just and have those because you could grow up your whole life with somebody saying, God loves you. God is your father. You are a child of God. But then you have to have that experience where it's like, I mean, there's something different between you telling like a little girl, like your dad loves you. Mm-hmm. And the moment when he picks her up, twirls mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. kisses her on the cheek and says, I love you. Like those are two yeah. totally different experiences, Absolutely. and and, to, and and we are just waiting for those those second type of experiences, and you know, in our life, and it's good for people to tell us, you right. know, but like, well, there's you know earlier when I talked about um, remembering, what comes to mind also is cultivating, one of our favorite words, but sometimes you have to cultivate those experiences through the acknowledgement of what's happening in the moment. Something Becky and I talk a lot about is helping remind people that we try to remind ourselves as well, which is don't ignore those feelings when they stir up. Mm -hmm. When you feel that nudge, you feel that little inkling of whatever it is in that moment, don't brush it off. It's like you're saying with stand still and feel the wind, even not on a windy day. It's that. It's that Mm -hmm. moment of just going, oh, I feel something. Like, what is that? Be curious about that and like sit with it for a minute and be still with it for a minute and really just um, let that work in you. That's I, I think that's something I think about a lot just because there is so much swirling around right now mm. that if we're not taking the time to acknowledge and notice the things that are really profound, we're missing huge, huge opportunities 
not just in our faith, but in our relationships and our joy and our happiness. Yeah. And you're just making me think of how interesting it is that um, how often God uses that phrase throughout scripture to stand still. Mm -hmm. Like he says it to Moses and the, and the children of Israel at the banks of the Red Sea. When life looks so hectic, mm -hmm. it looks so awful. Like there is desert to the left and right. There's an ocean in front of them and there is a destroying army behind them. Some people listening to this might feel like, oh, that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot with, of people you feel know, that way. With no way out, just chaos on every side. Mm -hmm. you know. And God's advice was stand still and see the salvation of God. Like just be still and, and, and watch for it. And what's interesting is if you took a snapshot of that moment, you know, if you took a picture, you were just up above with your drone mm -hmm. and took a picture of that moment. And then you put it up on a wall and you said to everybody, um, label this picture. <laughs> like people would Ugh. label it um, disaster. <laughs> right. Um, you know, horrific. Yeah. Um, I you would know. name it Jesus Take the Wheel. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> get what, me out of here. <laughs> what's so funny is God would take that picture and he would title it The Edge of a Miracle. Mm -hmm. That's what he would call mm -hmm. it. He was like, you mm -hmm. think you're on the edge of destruction? You are actually on the edge of a miracle. And one that will be their story for generations to come. And it would not have been. No one would have had that type of trust and that type of like love for God had like that, it, that situation preceded the miracle. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they will hang yes. on to that moment forever. So I, I, I really feel like God uses moments like this that we're experiencing in history right now to like mm -hmm. emphasize like what his role is and who he is. And it's just like only in places like this and I, can we experience it. I have to add that here's... Here's what that looks like in real life. When you can firmly believe that, which I do, and you understand through experiences that faith does precede miracles because you've experienced hell and back and you've recognized how things can come out on the other side. What that looks like for me recently, just, and I mean recent, like recent months, not years, but months when something really particularly challenging has come up. And it's so hard and nothing pulls me out of the hardness in the thick of it, right? Because if you're in the right. thick of it, you've got, you've got to suffer a little bit. But my hope comes from my experience and knowing and feeling, I can't wait to see what comes of this. And that is a very odd, that's a very peculiar thing to think about when you're in the thick of a really difficult thing. But it's where I am in mm -hmm. my faith. I can struggle and it's hard and I know it's hard, but I can also say, I can't wait to see where this is going to lead me. And Becky and I have even had conversations like that, even through yeah. struggles in our personal lives with families, with kids, with work, with things like that. When things are really rough and rocky, we we can know in that in that faith that we share, like, man, if it's this hard now, I can't wait to see what like what's on the other side. Well, and that's coming from a context of. Uh, like a, a belief and trust that God is good. Yes. Right? Like yes. you could never ask that question unless you first believed that God was good. And you were saying earlier that like that has come to you because you are remembering times when yes. it has been good. And that is such, that is the beauty and value of memory of like mm -hmm. I've seen when he's been good before. 
And so I can trust again that yeah. he's that he still is. A word now. keeps coming to my head because I know exactly what Becky's talking about is I think when the storms rage when we're on I love that edge miracle. That will be a picture in my house and a lesson for my kids. Um, I had that moment. Um, and actually, Becky was there when I had that moment. That I have a extremely strong faith and belief and connection with God. And when I was faced with the most impossible task I had ever been faced with before, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I had a blessing, the feeling was was not like... It was a deeper definition of faith that the word that keeps coming to mind is to surrender. And when my faith was able to be tried to that magnitude and I was able to surrender to the love of God, it changed everything. Like Mm -hmm. that was the edge of my miracle because it it took a faith and a belief system that, you know, had been amazing and it made it even more real it made it more of a more of a reality like an actual reality um Mm -hmm. in my life and so if anyone is out there feeling like they have desert on both sides an ocean in front of them and an army behind them this is truth what's being spoken you are on the edge of a miracle and look look and surrender surrender to the love that is there i think sometimes we put boundaries on like what heavenly father will and won't do and what he does and doesn't care about and I think that's all garbage. I think God's love is everywhere. He cares about everything. And it's it's never not present from our lives. But like you said, you need to take the moment of stillness to notice the wind. And when you notice the wind and when you surrender to the wind, it will be able to guide you and you will see the miracles happen. Yeah, it's just interesting that like God can say in that place, stand still and take your eyes off the ocean, take your eyes off the sand, take your eyes off the army. And he says, see salvation Mm -hmm. you know and i want to capitalize when i read that story in exodus the s to be another name for god Mm -hmm. stand still and put your eyes on on salvation that word surrender i have been studying this for like a like a couple of weeks um surrender uh, specifically uh the word trust Mm -hmm. and it surrendered is a trust word Mm -hmm. and that's what i thought right when you said i was like that's another trust word Mm -hmm. that god is not interested in us getting things right Mm -hmm. and doing things right and knowing things right. Like there's value in all of those. But the human experience, I think, is about learning how to trust and how to surrender to him. That is the purpose of this human experience, I think, is to learn how to like hand it over. I I just learned this yesterday that um, the word amen that we use in church a lot and I wish we would use more. And you um, wish that we use it in a in a louder sense, don't yes, you? With clapping. Yes. And now I'm about to win you over to the word in such a way. I I grew up people teaching me that the word amen meant I agree. Okay. Which great. I will still say amen when I agree with something. I'm actually a little bit we come from a quieter church culture and I am a louder worshiper. And so Jenny has to kind of quiet me in the pews. I love it so much. (laughs) Because I, like, she was like, you can put your hands up, but they have to be pew level or lower. Like, we, 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 you're distracting people. Or maybe, here's just the thought, or maybe not. I know, right. I was not brought up in the church, and I'm very much what you're saying. And I have actually found um, a different way to pray 
in the past six months that has been so life-changing for me because I busted out of like the the posture of being on my knees. And now I pray with my head lifted towards heaven and my arms extended because for me, I receive. Like, oh, that yeah, is that's how your I style. Receive. That's, that's my your... stance. Mm-hmm. But I had to bust out of that. So maybe you lifting your arms is giving well, someone like me permission, permission to be like, yes. wait a minute, <laughs> I can pray what feels right to me. I'm still vocal, though. Like, if I, right now, we're not, you know, attending church services because of the pandemic, you know. Yep. So you're the boss but of your own services. I am the boss of my services. And so <laughs> I was like, I was, everybody, <laughs> we, will, we will just, we will worship yep. how I worship I now. Am. Love but it. I, I, if I like something that somebody says, yeah. just, I will like say like, come on, I you love know, it. and I was like, all right, <laughs> or I'll yell out a believe that, yeah. you know, and then you Jenny's gotta... like, hey, I'm tell like, people Jenny, where you're from. You are not the boss of me. Like <laughs> I will right. be the, I will be the boss of me. You're but, from okay. Texas, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You gotta, yeah. you just gotta have so that context. It's just, it's just in me. Yes. Ready to bust out at all moments of the day. But this is what I learned about the word amen. And yes. I'm so into it right now is the first time it's used is in Genesis 14. And it says that Abraham um, is asked, God has made promises to Abraham that seem impossible to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's questioning those promises, you know, um, naturally, as mm-hmm. you would, mm-hmm. um, as we do, right? And, and then it says that Abraham believed the Lord. So he made, he poured out, he said, it doesn't look possible. You kind of look absent right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. But then after he poured out, which I think God wants us to do, like you were Pour saying, your, uh, your kids after don't school. Don't worry about like, your language or your posture or anything. Out, right. Just talk. <laughs> and talk. then after pouring out all of his doubt and question and everything, he ended on, it says, and Abraham believed the Lord. Mm-hmm. And believe in Hebrew is aman. That's mm-hmm. where we get amen mm. from. Amen is after all is said and done, I put it in your hands. Mm-hmm. And that is what like the words original roots were. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a trust word. Believe. We all the time talk about believe as a what word. Like what do you believe? Mm-hmm. And believe in scripture is actually a who word. Where are you placing your trust? Mm-hmm. And it's in him. And, and that's that's where that comes from. It's like when you say it, what you're saying is, I believe you, like your character, who you are. I put my trust and I put my life and I put my heart in, in your hands. And that's what that means. And that mm-hmm. is a journey, right? Like there is this hymn, it's called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's an old Christian hymn. A lot of people might know it. If you don't, it's time for you to look it up. But there is a line in it that says, here's my heart, Lord. And uh, uh, take and seal it. And I and every time that I sing that line, I sometimes don't sing that line mm-hmm. because I'm like, why am I so afraid to surrender mm-hmm. to him? Why am I so afraid to hand over everything to him? And I don't know what percentage of my heart I've handed over, but that's the journey. That's the yeah. human experience mm-hmm. is learning to be able to give 100% of me. And over. the beautiful part of that is when you... Because I actually knew that about the word amen. I knew you, where you were going with that. Is... I didn't. And I want you to know you changed my life. That's fine. I'll never say amen again without thinking of that. Yeah. Isn't that I awesome? I love that. Isn't Sorry. that yeah. so much more yeah. meaningful? Especially after a prayer. Mm-hmm. Because it where becomes. You like, yes. It, you, like you were saying your own personal prayer. Like mm-hmm. you just pour out. And then at the very end, your last word is um, 
I put it in your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And no matter what happens, and I think Love that's it. the bigger lesson. The, the second part I wanted to bring up with the believe, with the amen believe, is that when you really start to practice this, and I will say, like, it's a practice. It's a, it w- For me, it was a shift of mind, and so it took practice and time and, and a lot of work to be able to, like, fully believe believe the believe. But what the miracle of that was, what started happening was when I put all my trust and love in a loving heavenly father and believed that and had hope in that belief, I was able to begin the journey to believe my worth as a child of God. Mm. Like it became, it became a cyclical thing of, Mm. I believe that you are that you are love. You are you are the embodiment of love and and all all that is good and I trust and believe and because of that because I know that I am your child that that same love that that same goodness is inherent within me. Mm-hmm. And heavenly father then be able was able to teach me in a different way about who I was, about my worth and all of our inherent worth as children of God. And it, it puts you in such such a different place, not only personally, but in how you interact with humanity, in how you're anchored through trials, um, in all the information, the onslaught of everything happening, how it grounds you. Um, and I think my whole experience with the past three, four months of my life, what you were saying is being is that what I've been feeling is to be still and feel the wind. Mm-hmm. That kind of sums up exactly how how I have been dealing with all the things happening. Thinking about what you're saying back and then also going back to what you were saying, David, it's interesting that you mentioned, why am I so afraid to like trust him more? You know, I think that most people listening can probably relate to that. Certainly oh, we can. Mm-hmm. That fear of like, I don't know if my trust can be 100% there. And that kind of leads to a question that we'd love to ask you. And that is when it comes to the nature of God and the relationship that we have with him and your experience of living and breathing God and loving Jesus as you do and teaching and speaking and authoring and all these things. Mm. You've interacted with a lot of people and have guided a lot of people in their relationship with God. What do you feel in your experience are some of the most common misconceptions Mm. or misunderstandings about him about the nature of the relationship with him? Um, one recently, and I think that it's common, and I've just been thinking about it recently, is um, you were saying this earlier, Becky, that people are afraid of him. And and um, I, uh, someone asked me yesterday, they were just like, you seem to like take this position on grace first with God, always. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I've tried that with people. And then they come back and they say, but what about, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, what, you know, isn't sin like all these kind of things. And I was like, I realized yesterday, I was like, wait, wait, I think people ought to fear sin. I do think they mm-hmm. should, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they should fear God. Mm-hmm. And I think a misconception is that God's out to get me. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that he's waiting for me to step over the line. Yeah, that he's and gathering to, and evidence to keep you out me. of heaven. Right. But really, he's gathering every bit of evidence loophole available right. to bring you closer. To see, uh, one misconception is he is, um, you know, taking notes of uh, gathering evidence instead of a, he's a rescuer. Mm-hmm. 
that his role is not condemner his role is savior and and i and and i i can i and i and and i can see that in myself mm-hmm. you know where i'm like i because it's true and now that i can place my fear where it properly belongs i i think it leaves god's space open because there is a tangle inside people where they're just like i know but like wrong is wrong and bad is bad and i'm just like i know and you should fear the consequence of sin. It leads to death. It leads to chaos. It leads to hurt. You should fear it. But you shouldn't fear God. The punishment comes from naturally from sin itself. Natural consequences. Not from him. Yeah. Right. That's He's what I was the say. rescue. Mm-hmm. He's the rescuer mm-hmm. from what would naturally happen. And and scripture like will word things in a way where it's just like where it almost makes God, you know, the justice of God, the judgments right. of God. And that is a I've found is a poetic way of just saying like these are the natural consequences of the decisions that we make. So I think one of the big misconceptions about him is he's a scorekeeper yeah. and that he is, you know, mm-hmm. like out, out to get us. Yeah. And I it's think it's because like, as humans, we want quantifiable data. So I want to know, like, there's that ugly human part of me that's like, I want to know exactly how many points I need to earn to assure my place in heaven, to assure, like, happiness on the earth and my place in heaven. And I think that's where the surrender comes in, is you surrender and let go of all the quantifiable data. Because when when you're forgiven of a sin, you know, it says in the scriptures that God remembers it no more. That is such a hard concept for our human brains to grasp. It is, because we have a hard time not... And we oftentimes weaponize the scriptures against ourselves Uh to prove our unworthiness. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, you probably don't know this, Dave, but I I find a lot of um, insight in in how Satan operates and how he works in my life. And I use that to, like, build my testimony of God and of grace and mercy. It Mm -hmm. is so empowering for me. And when I think about that... um, you know, I take it back to my kids. My kids really have taught me so much. But when, you know, my, I have one son who is super hard on himself. He does one thing wrong and he's like, it's fine. He Like, I never have to punish him. He punishes himself. Hmm. And it makes me so mad because I'm like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to punish yourself. It doesn't mean you suck. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe the world anything. You learned a lesson and that's beautiful and wonderful and good. And how hard it is for our human brains to accept our goodness, to accept that love. And I do think that that, that self-doubt, that fear, if, if Satan can have Heavenly Father appear as a fearful being who's looking to, to squash us, I mean, where does that leave us? Fear, fear and faith cannot coexist. And so you have to let go of that fear of not being enough, of not praying correctly, of not doing things correctly, because the truth is, is that love will teach you more effectively than anything ever could. And I think, you know, maybe this is kind of along the same lines of it. Um, maybe another misconception, maybe the same one, I don't know, is that um, God, what's his purpose for us? Mm-hmm. And I believe his purpose for us is to become something. Mm-hmm. Our purpose is experiential, not a, not to get things right. You know, it's not to not have all the right answers, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, and, and when the scriptures say that God tests us, I just think what that is saying is God gives us this experience, you know, because only in a place of like um, polarization and pulling can I have the actual like becoming experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it means like 
Yeah. Okay, here's this experience. Make sure you get make sure you choose correctly in this. He's more interested in who we are becoming than like whether we're getting something right or totally. or wrong. And I think that is a and and you, you know what you're saying about that this fear that's page two of the Bible mm. that's page two with Adam and Eve who um, eat forbidden fruit and run and they hide mm-hmm. and then they try to cover it up and then they start to blame right in that mm-hmm. story and we have been mimicking them ever since mm-hmm. running from God hiding covering it up and blaming other people, um, each other, instead of like, I I kind of want to insert dialogue into Genesis there (laughs) and have God say this, have God say, what did the devil teach you about me that you thought you needed to run, Hmm. hide, cover and blame? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously you don't know who I am. Otherwise you would have never gone running. Like I'm, I'm the solver. I'm the fixer. You know, why are you like hiding it from? So obviously from page two, right? Right. We are. And we honestly have been mimicking that ever since. It's almost as if Heavenly Father knew what we needed to hear right at the beginning. (laughs) Before we proceeded any further. What's so cool is the comfort in knowing that when you understand that um, a term that we use is the plan of happiness mm-hmm. or the plan of salvation. When you understand that gl- at a global sense, what the plan is, what his plan is, which he's laid out, he's told us in scripture, and we know what that plan is. And part of that plan that is, is essential is the messing up on our part. Mm-hmm. Like we are supposed to mess up. And for me, just that remembrance of I'm supposed to screw up, not I'm gonna try to, but I just will. Mm-hmm. And you know who else will? My spouse, my children, my best friends, my coworkers, my employees, my yeah. everybody around me. We're all going to mess up. And there's such a comfort in remembering that that is the way it's supposed to be. And so instead of turning to the blame and the covering up and, and the running and the hiding and the shame, which is huge, what is it that you want us to remember about him? Yeah. And what do you want me to le- learn from this? You know, um, it, that, it comes back to the idea again of like, um, I believe God's bigger than this. And I believe he's big enough to weave even my own mistakes into just the tapestry of my life. Like mm-hmm. he can even turn them mm-hmm. for good. I don't, you know, he didn't want me to do hurtful things to myself and others, um, obviously, but he can, it's not damning, mm-hmm. you know, it can now become developmental mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's just like, no, something good can I can I can turn I can weave this in I can turn it you know I think Adam and Eve are the prime example of that um is that that moment with the fruit look what resulted because of that and and I think that that is taking it back to that story I'm gonna go back and do some more more intensive study Mm -hmm. and go back and revisit that I haven't been in Genesis in a while and I want to go back and revisit that to really study Adam and Eve and what we can learn from um from the choices they made mm-hmm. and from how Heavenly Father responded and how how it all fits together. Because it does. It mm-hmm. all fits together. It all does. It's so much bigger and those than be- us. those beginning story, I think, was written um, not so much as history, mm-hmm. but Bible scholars call it imagistic. Um, imagistic. Like, imagistic. Mm-hmm. Like Van Gogh's Starry Night mm-hmm. is imagistic. Mm-hmm. That is not a picture of the night sky. And it's not meant to be a picture of the night sky. 
It's supposed to be an image of like, I'm supposed to feel and learn. I'm not getting a snapshot of history here. Right. I'm God's teaching me lessons almost in, a, I think using real life historical people mm-hmm. to teach us a much grander like totally. me- message about, about yeah. humanity. Even the beginning story, Genesis 1, page 1. So it's interesting that's page two. Right. What's page one? Yeah, what's page one? What's page one is the creation story, mm-hmm. which is totally imagistic. Like if somebody mm-hmm. thinks that's a depiction of the creation of the world, they are going to have some like major right. intellectual conflict, you know, right. because it is described as this flat earth with a dome mm-hmm. over the top that keeps the water from dropping down. Right. That's why... Ancient people thought like the sky was blue because it was water. Mm -hmm. They coupled together fish and birds because, well, fish swim up there and birds swim down here. Mm. That's where the phrase windows of heaven came from because they thought, oh, if someone were to open the dome, some of that water would just pour down Mm. in and then God could close the dome. You know, (laughs) like obviously that's not how the world is. But God was not interested in teaching people like the creation. It was like, what was the message from creation story and and the message from creation story seems to be that you have this unfiltered like unheld back gift of grace from God mm-hmm. day after day after day after day you know like it begins with the story of gifts love and grace it's like I will give this to you and I will give this to you mm-hmm. I will give this to you I will give and a lot of times we'll tell the creation story like this. Oh, you work, 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 then you rest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's from God's point of view. God's point of view is, I will work, 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 work for you so that you can rest. Right? Because mankind's point of view in the creation story, they show up on day six. So the very first thing they experience is rest. Mm-hmm. To like rest in his presence. And to rest in that gift that he has just poured out again. And it's almost like, here, 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 here. It's like, now, do you want to enter into relationship with someone like that? And it's like, absolutely. I absolutely. So the very beginning of that story is one of like unabashed, mm-hmm. like goodness. Well, that's why, that's why you begin and end with grace. Right. Yeah. That's why the, the, the person who made the comment does. to you, yeah. I'm like that. That it's because it is grace through and through and over and again. I honestly feel like at this point we could spend about 45, 46 hours with David. Maybe. And I want you to because guess what? I have to go back home to remember <laughs> all so the funny. children. <laughs> so I was like, why should we not just keep this going? Well, Sorry, Jenny. Jenny, get over here, <laughs> and we'll find a nanny. No, it's there's so much I want to talk about. There's so much we could talk about, and that's why. That is why if you're feeling like me, guys, and you're listening and you're like, I want to sit at his feet and just listen to him. Oh, explain no, all these no, things. No. no, but I mean, learn from. But this is what we're here on earth for. I believe we all believe like we are here to help each other, to learn Absolutely. from each other, to love yeah. each other, to serve each other. And I feel served week after week after week by listening to you and Emily and watching you guys explain gospel principles explain things about jesus that i hadn't thought of before explain things about scripture i hadn't thought of in that light before okay so here is a question i'm imagining most people no matter what situation you're in what spirituality religion whatever your situation is is where and how do i find god in this crazy crazy world 
mm. especially when a lot of people are not physically attending church exactly. right mm-hmm. now. Right? Yeah. There's like, never been none more of us are. autonomy mm-hmm. and yet also more connection. And so how do we how do we hear him? How do we find him um, amid all of this? Wow. Um, I know it's a really small question. Yeah, just no, a little, sure right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought we were wrapping up. Um, <laughs> I know, and we go into the forty-seven yeah. hour. That's yeah. <laughs> fine. I uh, okay. I have two small thoughts, and um, one of them is this: I just spent the last couple. I I teach um, professionally, um, just scripture courses on a college campus, um, and. I just got finished teaching this course called World Religions, mm. and so cool. it was a study of I all be these. In that class. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I mm. it changed me mm. to teach all of those world religions, and I started day one because I took the class twice mm. um, before I taught it because I was kind of like I, I love the world and I love right. people and I love religion, so I'm sure that's why you asked me to teach this course. But do you know I have no like. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have any like background in this. So I felt like I bet I like, so I took the course twice and I visited, um, you know, a a mosque and a Sikh temple and the Hindu temple and like, and, um, you know, the synagogue. And I asked and I like just sat in their places and I I just, and it was so good for me. Um, I walked away from that experience. Well, I was going to tell you my rule day one. To everybody as they came into the class is like we will compare best to best you know mm. in in this class and what we will do is um practice holy envy we will mm. we will look for the way other people worship and see if we can't implement that into our own mm. way of worshiping and what i learned from that experience as i walked away I told Jenny, you could walk away from the study of world religion with two conclusions. You really can. Because I flirted with both of them, naturally. Mm -hmm. One is, it's all a farce. Mm. We've all just made up a way to explain the world that we see around us. Sure. Or the other conclusion is that God is much bigger and more involved than we actually ever imagined. And I, amen. Yeah. And see, amen. Yeah, the mm-hmm. real the amen. Word. Yes. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I, and I landed on B. Mm-hmm. I landed on B and I walked around and I, I left that and I said, he is more involved and in more places than I ever thought he was. I don't need to find him in a specific church. And as I looked at world religions, I thought, if there are so many multiple ways of relating to him then there must be a multiplicity of ways he relates to us and he is reaching out to all of his children and it's one of the impressions i had one time studying it like almost one of those times in my life where i i almost could say i heard god say i will find a way to reach all of my children Mm -hmm. because i was worried about it i was worried i was like god this world's so big you're how are you finding everybody did you, did you for like how about China? Okay. Do you know how many people are there? <laughs> like there are so many people there, and they you know there's no you know like mm. all these and that's coming from a Christian point of view. It's like there's no Christian, there's not hardly any Christian churches there. How are you finding people? Right. And the and and the answer was oh silly boy, mm. I will find a way to reach all of my children, and I think someone needs to believe that right now, wherever you are in the place that you are, 
that you can connect to God. And more importantly, God is seeking to connect with you um, at home, at work, uh, out in the normal, regular places. That is where he is. We as Christians have a belief in a God who was born in a barn. And to me, and who was crucified outside the city walls. And to me, that is a message from him. Is, is that you might be tempted to say, you can't find God in a place like this. You know, even here. And the answer is yes, even here in this unexpected place that you wouldn't have thought I would show up. In fact, he would say, that's where I do my best work mm -hmm. is in those places. And so um, feel the wind. Listen, um, the book of Ecclesiastes. No one reads that book. <laughs> but the, the, you know, the first three chapters start with um, the writer asking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And then the fourth chapter, it shifts. And all of a sudden he asks, what do you want me to learn? And what do you want me to experience? And I think when someone like takes that trusting mm -hmm. role of like, okay, just what should we do? Mm -hmm. You know, then it just shifts. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of trying to blame the scorekeeper, it's like, oh, wait, I forgot. You're gen you're the Genesis one God. Mm -hmm. You know, and just be like, okay, mm -hmm. but and and just he will he'll reach out. You really feel like he that everybody can find him and hear him on a personal level 100 mm percent -hmm. i do not think he has a good old boys club i think he's a father you know and i think he will and does um i think god is always there i just think it's our um recognition that's maybe blocked mm -hmm. right like i he's always available and i think he's always present i just think it's our like perception that is that just kind of needs to be cleared totally. up. Mm -hmm. Not his presence, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, my goodness. I don't want to stop. Believe <laughs> that. Believe that. Right? <laughs> Preach. Oh, I love this so much. Tell me, tell us where people can find you to get more of your insights and your thoughts on all of these things. Okay. Uh, you could go to my Instagram page. I like to use that as a as a pulpit. <laughs> it is. And it um, is. You get these little sermons in one little, sentence structures. It's so beautiful. What's your Instagram handle? Um, it's called Mr. Dave Butler. Mm -hmm. um, or we have our YouTube channel mm -hmm. um, with Emily Freeman called uh, Don't Miss This. And you don't um, want to miss this. You don't want to miss <laughs> it. Really love and it. let me interrupt you there. So what Don't Miss This is, what, what's the best way to summarize it? I, I'd rather it come from you than from me. Because um, I could talk for days about what it means <laughs> to me on a personal level. But yes, what is um, it? In our um, faith community, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we move through books of scripture each year and focus together as a church community on one particular book of scripture, the Old Testament one year, the New Testament one year. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we also have additional books of that we consider holy scripture. Um, the Book of Mormon, some people might be familiar with, is we... The Broadway musical. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's actually, we're studying one act two, studying um, next week, I think, you know. What's the best way to describe what the Book of Mormon is for those who might not understand if you this are, additional Yeah, structure? if you are new to that, um, the Book of Mormon is super comparable to what the Bible is. Not a replacement, but we consider a companion uh, book of Scripture. 
the Bible was written in the world, the ancient world surrounding um, where Israel is, that promised land. And the Book of Mormon tells a story of another group of people who left that place and over in the Americas and kept a similar record of God's dealings among these people of, an, of another nation. One of the things we believe about that, script, that scripture that is beautiful to me is the existence of it is evidence that God loves the whole mm-hmm. world, that he will reach out to people in every corner of the world. Just the existence of, I think, is, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's a record of their spiritual dealings and them trying to connect with and relate to God on another half of the earth. That's a short way to maybe <laughs> talk perfect. about it. Um, yeah, it's hard to summarize, but you did a perfect job. And mm-hmm. honestly, the subtitle of the Book of Mormon is Another Testament of Jesus Christ. That's literally what it is. It's another witness of our Savior. It's powerful. Right. And we all love it. It's all of our favorite book. And so with Don't Miss This, that is what with Emily? Okay, so we will then, um, we each week we teach from that book of scripture that our church has kind of like picked for that given year. Mm-hmm. And we've just moved through it, you know, sequentially mm-hmm. through the book and take chunks of scripture and just kind of share. It's called Don't Miss This because we think here are a couple things from this chunk of chapters that we don't think you want to miss. Mm-hmm. So it's not us we don't want you to miss. <laughs> it's like, when, someone, when someone asked me that once, they're like, isn't that a little bit like presumptuous? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, we're talking about the scriptures. Way. We're talking about like, don't miss these like really And you guys, that is verses. literally, that, that's a perfect name for it because that is the experience that you have with it. And if you are curious, just look up Don't Miss This mm-hmm. on YouTube Watch one episode, pick one. Doesn't even matter. Draw out of a hat. I haven't missed a week this year. I've been much better this year than last year. And every week, it's not like you're listening to David and Emily just read the scriptures and explain what things mean. You get context and insights and things that help you to feel the scriptures come alive in a way that you hadn't thought of before. That's my experience. Well, and just a reminder, last year we studied the New Testament. So mm -hmm. if that's interesting, the year before that was the Old Testament. Go back. Go Mm -hmm. back and and look at what makes your heart sing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in learning something more about the Book of Mormon this year, but if you were like, no, I just, what do you want to say about the the New Testament? Then go to next year. We'll be back in a future year for the Old Testament. Yes, we will. I love the Old Testament. I know. So do I. I can't wait. I actually, wanted to ask someone can we just do that I next know. year because i really <laughs> want to do that so good next year. okay and so you so, also have books uh like yeah. anything else that people need to know about where to find you um no i think the I, yeah it's, oh the books yeah, yeah the i've books. written yeah. um some books so you know that i um yeah, yeah, they're on Amazon. That's what I was like. What's the easiest Amazon. place? Amazon's okay, Amazon's always no. the easiest. Amazon, and we'll Amazon. go ahead and we'll link. Um, we will link a bunch of these mm-hmm. things in the show notes so that you will have easy access to get the amazing works. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your gift. You have a way of breaking down scripture into the very plain, simple truth of God's love, and um, it has been really helpful for me in mm-hmm. in kind of helping me clear some of those barriers to be able to feel the wind better. Mm, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for being here. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings that you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. David loves you. Right, David? Yes, I do. (laughs) We're all cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.
why don't you tell us what happened to your eye? Um, <laughs> yesterday I won a game of spike ball. I like that he starts yeah. with you won. Victory! <laughs> Did you really what win though? Well, Who actually won? Um, well, we were winning 8-7 to seven, and that's when the game ended. <laughs> um, it was but, ended uh, by default. Yeah. <laughs> ended by a black eye. An anger. It was an anger issue. On whose part? Who was angry at I you? I was not. Oh, my cousin. He was angry we at were you. Winning. Oh. Yeah. He's a professional athlete, and he felt bad that a non-professional <laughs> athlete was winning against him. He Sometimes like, the universe likes to just balance us out, yeah. <laughs> take us down just a notch. Sometimes we need to be humbled. It's fine. Right. Right. Were you humbled? I didn't need to be humbled. He, he was built up. He's the one who feels really bad about, and he's going to feel extra bad when I sue him and build a pool in my backyard. I think that is a I good like, I lesson know what for all. His contract all. is worth. There you go. Does he all forgive you? So. I'm just going to need a solid pool contract. David's microphone was backwards, I think. No, it wasn't. Okay, it was just turned around backwards on the table. So I'm like, I hope that he I turned it around. If yeah. not, but if it sounded the same, then it sounded the same. <laughs> and I literally was like, I'm not going to tell Becky till after because she'll throw. Right now, I'm no, going to go to the bathroom. You did the sound up. check. It sounds fine. Yeah. That's it. Like, it was Be done. Trust yeah. yourself. Trust the Lord. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so sick right now. This is why I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. okay. Wow. I, w- I don't know how we wouldn't have noticed no, it. No, I would have noticed it. You know, I would have noticed it. The colors of these two glosses. Cultivate and good life. I mean, of course, right? Right. Keep <laughs> That was dumb. <laughs> right. Somebody needs some sleep. It's going to be great. Okay. 